Welcome to the Prod Pod, a podcast from Dental Products Report. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Bisco. Bisco, where chemistry and oral health meet. I'm Noah Levine, Editorial Director for Dental Products Report, and your host on the Prod Pod. Each episode, we feature leading voices in the dental industry and highlight topics of interest to dental professionals, including new products, clinical techniques, industry news and trends, as well as tips and tricks for procedures and practice management. On this episode of the Prod Pod, we speak with Bisco Manager of Clinical Research, Dr. Rolando Nunez, about the growing popularity of zirconia as a restorative material, the chemical challenges it presents when used for dental applications, and the latest best practices for bonding with zirconia restorations. But first, in a new segment we're bringing to the Prod Pod, here's your new dental products rundown. Hugh Freedy recently launched its Streamline Plus ultrasonic inserts designed for the removal of hard debris and calculus. This new addition to the Streamline portfolio features the ergonomic handle design of Hugh Freedy's swivel inserts without the swivel function for clinicians who prefer not to have a swivel. Curve Dental's enhanced e-prescribe now allows doctors to send or renew prescriptions to pharmacies from any device. The new function is a part of the company's Curve Cloud platform and includes three prescribing options. E-prescribe, which allows doctors to manage electronic prescriptions. iPrescribe, which allows doctors to write and send prescriptions from mobile devices. And prescription drug monitoring programs registration for electronic prescriptions for controlled substances. The latest 3D printer from Formlabs, the 3B, is designed to be a versatile system capable of printing with a range of first and third party materials. It's designed for the production of crown and bridge models, clear aligner and retainer models, diagnostic models, so basically any type of models you might need, along with surgical guides, occlusal splints, patterns for casting and pressing, and digital dentures with currently four base and six tooth shades available for the printer. In digital imaging news, the Owandi CR Squared is an intraoral imaging plate scanner that's designed to be efficient and not take up a lot of room. It's compatible with multiple sizes of plates and it automatically scans them without the need to push any buttons. Keystone Industries recently received FDA approval to begin U.S. sales of its Keysplint Soft 3D printing material. The tough and durable material designed for the production of night guards and splints is said to withstand the forces of bruxism, but remain flexible enough to be comfortable for patients. It's currently available for the Carbon Digital Manufacturing platform, as well as for other open architecture printers. Oral-B and Crest are teaming up to launch the Tooth Fairy in a Box. This oral home care kit is designed to help children learn better brushing habits. It contains an Oral-B Kids Electric Rechargeable Toothbrush, Kids Crest Strawberry Rush Toothpaste, The Littlest Tooth Fairy Bedtime Book, a brushing chart with stickers, a tooth holder door hanger, a tooth fairy letter and envelope, a selfie frame, and a guide for parents. Glidewell Dental recently launched its Zeramex XT implant, which is a two-piece all-ceramic implant that's designed for aesthetics in the anterior or for use with thin tissue biotypes. It's a metal-free implant and it's available in 4.2 and 5.5 millimeter sizes. And finally, 3D Systems has also earned FDA clearance for a new 3D printing material. Theirs is the Nextdent Denture 3D Plus line of materials. They're biocompatible class 2A material designed for printing all types of removable denture bases 
Currently, it's available in five colors. Dark pink, light pink, opaque pink, red pink, and translucent pink. So, all the pinks. And it's said to offer excellent mechanical properties. And now we bring you my interview with Dr. Rolando Nunez. Today on the Prod Pod, we welcome back BISCO Manager of Clinical Research, Dr. Rolando Nunez. Rolando, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Noma, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're really glad to have you back. And uh, today we'd love to talk with you a little bit about zirconia and bonding to zirconia and just sort of what's happening with this in the dental industry. So I guess to get started, can you tell me a little bit about what you think uh, has made zirconia become such a popular material in the dental industry? Well, um, zirconia or zirconium oxide is widely used in, uh, in dentistry right now as a restorative surface or a restorative material for crown bridges, implants, um, overdentures, a vast array of possibilities. Um, in the beginning, they were not pretty. They were very opaque, but now they have become more and more aesthetic, so their applications have widened. So more dentists are using more and more zirconia. They're very, very tough, very strong. They are one of the toughest, if not the toughest materials right now available for clinicians. Mm-hmm. So, with those benefits becoming, you know, much more aesthetically pleasing with the uh, results we can get with some of the new higher translucency zirconias, but still keeping a real good strength for the durability people are looking for, what are some of the challenges that clinicians face when they are using zirconia restorations? The biggest challenge that um, I see and that I gather from talking to clinicians all day long and lecturing all over is bonding. Mm-hmm. is, you know, bonding protocols, um, achieving bonding, optimizing bonding. Uh, it, it is a big challenge because even though we are in the middle of trying to develop a consensus when it comes down to the proper treatment, so there is a lot of confusion out there still. So we're working on trying to deliver a more consistent message. Mm-hmm. What is it that makes the bonding process with zirconia a challenge for clinicians? Is it a technique issue, or is it inherent in just the materials that are available right now? Well, I I, I think it's a technique, but also with um, the development of materials that, uh, you know, at the beginning, when zirconia was presented, it was, it, it is a ceramic, and by default, clinicians will think about hydrofluoric acid etching, silane, and none of those things work. Um, and then it was, uh, people were under the impression that you couldn't bond to zirconia. And back then, this was a fact. But as products evolved and developed, we know now that bonding to zirconia is possible. It is a fact. But there are things that, there are moments during the the clinical procedure where bonding to zirconia can be hindered and people need to be aware of these moments and what to do to avoid them or what to do to correct the surface to make it clean and pristine so you can achieve proper bonding. Mm -hmm. Now if you're not able to do that are you compromising the strength of the bond? Is it compromising the marginal integrity? Where is the issue popping up? Well that's a great question because 
you know, I I think that it has to do with way more than just bonding to the surface. It has to do with the clinical assessment that a dentist will do on a, sp a, a specific case. You know, it goes case by case. If you have proper retention, your um, preparation has the mechanical properties based upon height and taper, you can get away without having to rely too much on the bond. But when you have shorter preps, non-retentive preps, this is where bonding plays, plays a huge, huge role. So it all depends. It goes, you know, on, on you have to examine or evaluate this on a case-by-case -case scenario. Mm -hmm. So how strong of a bond do people really need to achieve to feel confident in the placement of their zirconia crowns and bridges? If I had the answer to that, I wouldn't be talking right here. Mm -hmm. I will be mm -hmm. probably talking about that <laughs> all over the world. There is no true number but we aim for the highest number. Mm -hmm. There is a consensus that anything that, you know, when you have retention on a prep, if you achieve anywhere between six and 10 megapascals of bond strength to the dentin, you're good. And if you need proper bonding to the tooth structure, you wanna achieve something closer to the, the 30, 35 megapascals. On the surface of zirconia, you can easily achieve anything between high 20s and mid 30s, and that is considered a standard. That's what you should be getting anytime. Is that what you need? I don't know. I mm -hmm. don't know, but that, that is what we're getting, and it seems to be working. Mm -hmm. So in terms of generating you know, stronger bonds, what are clinicians' best sort of workflow? What should they be doing while they're placing their zirconia crown? Well, one of the main things that happens with zirconia that doesn't happen with any other material is that it becomes contaminated by saliva. The zirconia surface will react with saliva during the trying procedure. And this reaction is due to the presence of phosphate lipids in saliva which will basically deplete the bonding sites of the zirconia surface. So even if you use the best primer after that, if you use the, you know, the best cement, you will not bond. Your bond will be very, very low. And this could be one of the reasons why zirconia restorations debond, they fall off because of contamination. So clinicians need to be aware of this, that the zirconia surface is going to get contaminated and what they need to do in order to decontaminate the surface. So this is very important in order to achieve good bond. And I think this is where, this is a critical step. Decontamination of the surface after try-in. I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. And that's something that is just now seeming to come to light that people are really talking about a lot more and there are now solutions out there for people to do this decontamination. Where is BISCO with, uh, you know, having options out there for people when it comes to uh, this step of the bonding process? Yeah, well, we have a product, product called Zerclean, which is potassium hydroxide. Um, and what it does is it, it cleans the surface because it, it, it it's a very alkaline pH product. It generates an alkaline pH environment, which will decontaminate the surface, remove that reacted surface between the phosphate lipids of the saliva and the zirconia, and then it will just generate 
or expose the bonding sites again for proper bonding. So a clinician can remove the surface, the contaminated surface, by using a product like Zerclean. Um, there's another product by another mm -hmm. company, Ivoclar, mm -hmm. and you have to mention it, you know, to make it fair. It's called Ivoclean. Mm -hmm. These two products will work in a very similar way. Another way of removing the contaminated surface is by sandblasting. So if the clinician has a sandblaster in his office, he can try in the restoration and then use sandblasting to generate mechanical retention and to decontaminate the surface. But if the clinician is getting their zirconia restoration sandblasted by the lab, they need to have a cleaning solution, which will be something like Zerclean. Mm -hmm. Are there other things that are happening during the uh, placement of these restorations that clinicians are doing that they might not realize are harming the bond strengths that they're trying to achieve? Well, depending on the selection of their cement, they will need to use a primer. Um, there are some primers out there that are dedicated uh, in order to, uh, to bond to zirconia, MDP-containing primers. And there are other primers that are not as effective you know i will always recommend people to use mdp containing primers so the primer selection is very important you know we have a product called z prime it's mdp containing is dedicated to metal and zirconia um but other primers out there don't have mdp and they don't work as well so the selection of the primer is very important again this is when the, the clinician is relying on the bonding for the restoration to stay in place. Not all restorations need a full-blown bonding procedure, you know, but when needed, they need to rely on both bonding to the tooth structure and also bonding to the zirconia surface. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we've talked a lot about the bonding process and about how to avoid the contamination that, or at least get rid of it when it happens. Are there things that doctors can and should be doing to try to keep the saliva from contaminating the crowns in the first place? Well, when you try in, you need to check for the fitting of the restoration, but you also need to check on the occlusion. And this is something that you cannot perform under let's say, rubber dam isolation. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to do it, you know, in the presence of saliva. So I would say it's unavoidable. Mm -hmm. It is unavoidable. Now, there are steps that you can take towards avoiding this. Some people like to apply the primer prior to the try-in, and that way you protect the surface. And that has worked in the past, and, and, and it still works. It, it's totally um, viable. Um, some people prefer to apply the primer after trying because they don't feel, you know, they feel kind of weird applying the primer and then getting that surface, you know, contaminated with saliva. So that's where your cleaning agent should be used. You know, you try in, you clean the surface, and then you apply your primer. But you can definitely avoid the contamination before trying by applying the primer. You can do that. It's just a matter of how comfortable the dentist feels about trying the restoration, which has been already primed. Mm -hmm. At this point, with the research that's out there, with the products that are available, can you think of a reason why a clinician might feel a lack of confidence when bonding with zirconia right now? No, I, I, I think, um, I believe 
zirconia is becoming more and more popular. I think with the information that is out there right now, clinicians are becoming more popular, uh, more popular. They're mm-hmm. becoming more um, inclined to use zirconia as a restorative surface. You can see a, a steady growth on the use of zirconia. Um, the fact that it's more aesthetic nowadays, the more translucent zirconia, you can achieve more, you know, aesthetically pleasing results. So I, I don't see a reason why clinicians should not use zirconia other than personal preference. Mm-hmm. Now, zirconia is being used. It's being used in crowns. It's being used in bridges. It's being used in substructures for uh, other restorations. It's also being used in uh, prefabricated crowns for pediatric patients. Are there more uses and applications you see on the horizon where zirconia is just going to continue to become, you know, a big part of dental? One of the th- one of the things I used to think about five, six years ago was when are veneers going to come out? Mm-hmm. And they're here now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I don't know. I think they have covered almost everything. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can make almost anything out of zirconia right now. Um, and yes, there are limitations, but these limitations actually are the driving force of research. And it's such an excitement moment right now to be involved in dental materials research because things are coming in from all sorts of different avenues. So uh, you cannot be static. You cannot be like, you cannot stay put. There's always something coming out with CAT cam and all different kind of surfaces and the possibilities that digital dentistry bring to the table where a clinician can make a restoration you know within hours it's just amazing so i i wouldn't know how to answer your question but i'm sure i'm pretty sure something new is going to come up very very soon mm-hmm. well and i i hear some excitement from you when you talk about just the concept of something new as someone who develops uh materials that are used for bonding for working with this do you see it as kind of a challenge when there is a new material out there that you want to find kind of the optimal uh, materials that go with it, the optimal ways for it to work within patients' mouths? Absolutely. Every time a new type of surface comes out, a new category comes out and is embraced by the dental community, we immediately test it and try to optimize the bonding um, protocol and try to squeeze out the best bonding ability of that material. So again, you know, I remember 15 years ago, 20 years ago when I started working in this field and lecturing, talking about bonding was boring. You know, people will fall asleep in the lectures and, you know. But nowadays with all these different surfaces, in order to keep up, there is a lot of more interest on bonding. And even though some people fall asleep, which is fine, um, I usually get a pretty good crowd every time I go out there and lecture, so I'm really happy about it. And the more surfaces come out, that means that I I have job security right now. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Well, Rolando, we really appreciate you uh, taking some time to join us on the Prod Pod today and share your thoughts and uh, your expertise on uh, zirconia and bonding to zirconia. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. No, it was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Prod Pod, brought to you by Dental Products Report, part of MJH Life Sciences. We'd also like to thank our presenting sponsor today, Bisco. Bisco, bringing science to the art of dentistry. We hope you subscribe to the Prod Pod on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
rate us and let us know what topics you'd like to hear more about. The podcast is produced by the team at MJH, and our intro theme is from Hook Sounds. Stay connected to Dental Products Report by going to dentalproductsreport.com, subscribing to our e-newsletter, or following us on Facebook or Twitter. Have a great day, and we'll be back soon with the next episode.